A blast from the past on agenda this week with Liberal Vannon founder and spokesperson Peter Caron, who has raised a number of topical items in recent months. Peter calls for changes to the Isle of Man pension supplement, broadening the 5% VAT rate, and raises concerns over human rights. Peter was joined in the studio by a friend's dog, which played a small part in the interview. I began by asking Peter why he wants changes to the pension supplement. My concern is basically this. We've got pension apartheid. When we when this Manx supplement through the Chislet report was first announced, what we were trying to do is trying to help uh, for, uh, people for a cost of living. The problem was that the politicians and the officers wanted a lick of the ice cream and the thing was that we put it down to 10 years contribution, which was a nonsense to start off with. And the, the, there was no upper limit. And of course, you know, when I raised the questions 15 years ago about the issue of something like 19.5% of all pensioners are on 40 grand a year income, it is a scandal that we are seeing a situation that a valuable resource like the Manx Supplement that was originally going to be there as a, as a bit of a leg up in their twilight years for pensioners uh, is is not going to be there for future generations. We've already seen the issue of the upper ever increasing age for being able to retire as a state pension. And what should happen, in my opinion, is, is you know, we can do a, a means test at the bottom end where you have to have a declaration on capital and also on income to get supplementary benefits, then I think that the idea of, like some of my friend who's a tax, tax capper, I mean, it's ridiculous that he gets a, a TV licence. We, if we're, if we're in hard times, let's not follow the UK where they've almost weaponized the sick, the weak, and the poor to be be demonized for the economic madness that we've seen, and even the Tory press have had to see. So, what we should be looking at is, in my opinion, that somewhere around about thirty-five thousand for forty thousand a year income of a couple or. 30,000 or 25,000 for a single person and a capital allowance because a lot of pensioners don't have income but they have capital growth and these people need to be sorted out. I remember a friend of mine being on about about a couple that had a, a trust fund for half a billion and were basically a, were, were a liability on on the state for the costs of their care when the situation was that we hear demonisation of people in council houses when the truth is the housing crisis is to do with bad strategic policy. And we need to change the Manx supplement. Well, on that, I mean, the, the thinking at the time, and I know this because I was in council of ministers at the time, was that um, the, the, the best way to support people most in need was through a very targeted system which was the benefit system and effectively pretty much as you've said the uh, the, the old uh, w- way in which the pension supplement worked everyone got it whether that was people who really needed it or uh, people who were um, multi-millionaires well the so- first thing I think you've got to do Phil and what we what we wanted to do was to say that what a, this was a contributory benefit there were in them days. What I wanted to do was I wanted them to to get paid. They lived here for all their working lives. They were on scab wages, scab employment conditions, and it was a, a twilight. I think of my old man 
got a little occupational pension. He paid his 5% widows and orphans that the manual workers had to do. Found himself outside the benefit system. This needs to be prioritised for those that don't have an occupational pension. The the supplementary levels should be up to the living wage basis. Full stop. You know, but the early, the the issue that needs to be addressed is the fact that these people who act responsibly in our society, who work all their lives, do important jobs like the cleaner that cleans the oper- operation theatre, that that cleans the streets, whatever they do, have very little, very little occupational pension. They're the ones that we should be aiming at, and the ones in the private sector who are going to get nothing. I think what we should be doing, and what I've been saying with the Liberal Party, is that we should be looking at a situation where we say it's 40,000 or thereabouts, uh, and, and have you got more than a quarter of a million in the in assets outside your house? Then you don't you you don't get a ta- you don't get a pension tax certificate, so you don't get it. That means that there'll be money in for your kids. I am not kids, but it's wrong. This was a this was an opportunity missed opportunity in the first place by people long before you were in Disney Club with me, as I say, where where the the self interest of having it ten years of having it universal it should never have happened. We so, can only re- retrieve that situation. So now. so then effectively then what you're saying is. Uh, instead of uh, what we have at the moment, which is this gradual tailing off mm. of the pension supplement, that uh, I presume what what you're suggesting is that we get rid of the pension supplement as as it currently stands, so that uh, and then reintroduce a, a new form of, of pe- no, pension supplement. No, all we supplement. do is change the be- change the criteria. The situation is is that, you know, we can means-test the people at the bottom of our society and why can't we means-test the people that are at the top of our society? If there will be more than 20% of our pensioners on more than 40 grand a year, we're going to have future pensioners who are who are going to have nothing but the state provision, which is crap. And the, the reality is, the reality is, it affects people like me because I'm on a parliamentary pension. I won't get a pension. Full stop. And I think we've got to we've got to reclaw this back and prioritise it. And we sh- we need a pension certificate at a reasonable level that is acceptable, so that the money is not drained out of the system for those that don't need it. It's this I I'm all right, Jack. Politicians at the moment looking after their voters at the moment. We've got to look a bit further than that. We need to be creating some more strategy. And that pension certificate should be the same for the TV licence. It is insane, like my friend who's a tax capper, living in a house that I couldn't couldn't afford if I was reincarnated 50 times over, um, getting a free TV licence because of his age. This should be a valuable way of prioritising. And I also think the people like myself who are who took early retirement on a occupant, we should be paying a national insurance fund. If we're not going to have the same sort of crap that we've seen in the UK of where we've demonised the people at the bottom, uh, we need to we need to start looking more imaginary and less self-interest by the politician and the civil servants who really run the show. And of course, one of the first things the administration that followed the uh, the Bell administration, which uh, obviously ended in 2016, um, and th- 
the Bell administration um, scrapped the, the free TV license for over 75s. Um, the first thing that the new administration did was in, was bring it back in again. So, well, I mean, I mean, the point is, I mean, it's not a big issue. It's not a big capital issue. But the fact of the matter is that we have got pension apartheid. There's a lot of people in the private sector will have no pension apart from their state provision. What I'm saying with this, it's not social security. It's a contributory benefit that should be allowed so that we end up with a situation where these people have that little cost-of-living bonus. If we're talking about cost-of-living bonus, let's prioritise. We're always talking about prioritising when it comes to the bottom uh, and we, we, you know, we've got a means test. Here's a way forward where you would, have, you would have this man's supplement for future generations so that we don't have pension poverty for those who haven't got an occupational pension. But it wouldn't be a prop-up for those that live in, in luxury, when many a family uh, bringing up kids with mortgages who, who would, be, would be in st- a state of joy if they had a £40,000 income. And presumably uh, this is affordable because uh, by stopping the, the pension to the people who, who have reasonable incomes, the pension that they would have received or the pension supplement they re- would have received instead... Uh, is targeted. Yeah, more absolutely. The... I would reckon about thirty odd percent of of our pensions, at least, uh, would be affected by a, a, a standard at forty thousand a year or thirty five thousand a year uh, income, um, and 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 a capital allowance because we've got to hit the, the really rich who don't pay anything here. I'm sick of listening to people on about all these scroungers on the social. The fact of the matter is we have lots of people here who get capital growth and pay no tax. That's the reality, and that's what we've got to do. If we, can, we can have a capital allowance at the bottom for Social Security. We can have it at a reason and make sure that we, we've not this apartheid system of the haves and the haves not. And I believe the Manx Supplement needs to be revisited, and we need to get some fairness in there. One of the problems with changing pension arrangements, of course, and one of the reasons why the the, the gradual tailing off of the mm. pension supplement was introduced, and I think it's over, is it 20 years or maybe uh, mm. 25 years? Um, one of the reasons for that is you can't uh, withdraw something that someone is I, expecting I'm sorry. after they've retired. I'm sorry, but no, but that's not true. We change benefits for the people at the bottom. And, we, you know, as I say, you've just seen in the United Kingdom... The reality is that this is not a pension. This is a supplement. There's a big difference between a pension and a supplement. A supplement is something there by grace and favour. And that grace and favour needs to be channelled. And we need to be seeing the situation that people in 10 or 15 years' time who need it have got that Manx supplement because we all recognise the cost of living on the island is too dear. And this is one of the issues that we raised at the... Uh, the was part, Partly we raised with the coffee morning that's on every first Saturday of every month at the Christian Science Church at half ten, which anybody's welcome to come to. And I should say, just in case anyone heard the, the, the rattling there, um, it's, uh, it's my, my first ever interview with a dog in the studio. So Well, uh... I'm thinking of putting them up for Treasury Minister. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Liberal Van and Spokesperson Peter Caron. A, a, a number of other things uh, that, that you've uh, been 
talking about in Liberal Venom uh, recently. What one of the ones which uh, we actually considered on a previous perspective program was the whole question in relation to human rights. Um, at the time, uh, we had Stuart Gale QC, who who very clearly said, in his view, this was a significant problem, and uh, we we were in danger of uh, of of effectively lose losing our human rights. Uh, but uh, Jane Poole Wilson, Deputy Chief Minister, came on the programme uh, to say uh, that there wasn't a problem and mm. uh, the human rights would continue uh, because our, our legislation wouldn't be affected by, by the UK. Um, what's your particular concern on this? Well, because I, I would question that. We've always had an abuse, uh, an appalling record on human rights when I was a child. The, what we're seeing in the UK now where you would see... Uh, sons and daughters of prominent ministers and chief ministers and all is getting soft contracts. The Isle of Man was endemic of having crony capitalism or kleptocracy, as as the intellects talk about, and the issue of uh, postcode justice. Now we've seen in the past where uh, the uh, they've weaponized the institutions of government against individuals. We take the likes of the late. Trevor Baines, where the chap who stole the money didn't get go to jail, uh, but the the question has to be asked: was was the political was it a political prosecution? Uh, and it gives, I would be under the impression that they were trying to curry favour from the U.S. regulatory authorities. Now that's not how you run a justice system, in my opinion. Uh, if that's the case. And I believe that we need to make sure that we have got, and we also need to address the issue of the equal of arms. There is, it's very difficult for people to get justice on this island. Um, there, you know, um, and, and the issue of when we look in the past and we look at Britain now with the horrific things that are going on with millions of kids being in poverty, that is against the human right of a child, of a civilised society. Mind the issues over the Wiki, WikiLeaks journalist um, Julian Assange. I mean, I mean, you, if it was, it was in China, Russia, in the likes of North Korea, it would be being condemned using the institutions. And what happens in Britain happens here if we're not careful. And that's why I, I'm not reassured by Jane Poole Wilson, as far as that's concerned. And I think the idea that uh, that anything, anything that has uh, to do with a foreign aspect has to have the agreement of the United Kingdom is very worrying indeed. Well, again, what the minister was pretty clear in saying was that our legislation allowed us to go direct to the European Court of Human Rights uh, currently, there is a step which involves uh, UK courts, um, but the minister didn't seem to think that that was going to be a, an, an issue. And uh, that uh, uh, at the time, her, th her thinking was that the UK uh, government wasn't planning to, to, to make any significant changes. Subsequently, of course, uh, we've found uh, that uh, the, the, the new uh, Truss administration does seem to be talking very clearly about... Uh, uh, ditching uh, any sort of links with the European Court of Human Rights, which of course was set up after the Second World War, uh, mm -hmm. as much as anything and, by the British government. I remember when people were having theses and thrown, having their tyres slapped 
slit and all sorts of things when fighting for the likes of gay rights as I say um, we do not want the situation where where we have uh, this sort of horror stories of that starting again the important thing that I always say with rights with rights there are responsibilities but the issue that we've got to worry about human rights is is the issue of the fact that everyone can go and stay at the Ritz but if you haven't got the money and we need to address the issue of how we're going to deal with I'm getting mauled by a dog. For the listener, the dog has just uh, given given Peter a a good licking. So, (laughs) Uh, the 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 real the real issue is is what we've got to do is we've got to realise that the likes of human rights, um, it's important we have someone outside. It's like this nonsense of a Timmel commissioners and all this an ombudsman, 1988. I try to get an ombudsman service here. But the idea of having an individual that's associated with the island, it has to be someone likes of um, the Welsh Assembly, the Irish Assembly, the Northern Irish Assembly, or um, um, whatever, as far as their um, ombudsman services. We've got to realise justice has to be defended, and it costs us. Indeed. Uh, One of the the things that would also cost us is the suggestion um, that Liberal Vannon has of reducing VAT uh, to 5% to support the visitor economy. Uh, now, I presume you would argue that uh, the reduction would uh, boost uh, the visiting industry and therefore the, the, the losses to the uh, revenue wouldn't be that great. Well, the issue, the risk, the real issue is, is of course, we were, uh, if we wouldn't have been so bone-kneed um, and, and servile, the original proposal was to have 5% on all tourist infrastructure to help us out of the dodge, diddle and fiddle economy. And too many politicians and civil servants didn't stand up for the corner. So we ended up with the nonsense of 5% on 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 bed hotel beds which it should have been on the whole lot yes it would have an effect but remember when we were lobbying for years on our own trying to get five percent on on uh, home improvements when the the most of my colleagues were ranting on about fish and chips uh we were proven right i mean i remember the financial office said peter we don't understand we get more from fifteen from five percent than we ever did from fifteen at the time. I says, of course you will. I was a joiner before I was um, MHK, and the the reality is, is that it would it would curtail an awful lot of the black economy. We're talking about extending the tourist industry. We need new economic engines. I'm a lefty at heart, but you can't spend what you don't get, and we need new new ways forward and maybe the traditional industry of of tourism needs to be revisited but no competing with ibiza or the likes of somewhere hot we've got to look at things like we've got the the the, the twitches the, the people with the chuffs and the and the, the 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 people who want dark skies that's where we've got to go we've got to get the unesco uh, recognition of the World Heritage Site of, of our Timmold Hill and things like that. That's the sort of thing we've got to do. Do you, th- do you think that the current uh, Isle of Man government 
is interested in things like heritage and biodiversity and culture? Well, I think if, unless they're interested in uh, an onslaught on the welfare state, and this deficit spending is criminal. I'm a big believer in, in you know, the celebration of the, the, the weakest in our society, how we deal with them is the way forward. But I see an agenda of, 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 of bankrupting uh, the, the island. And what I, would, I am concerned about is doing what Thatcher did in the UK, where you end up with all the infrastructure sold to your mates. That's why, you know, I would have banned all members of Timbald I'm um, um, senior civil servants for five years from directorships, consultancies and all that. Uh, but of course, vested interest won the day, not the political good argument about it. Well, one of the, the things which uh, I know you were quite instrumental in in bringing into t- um, Tinwald was the severance pay for members who lost their seats. Uh, you will have noticed, or you may have noticed, that uh, there's been a change, or, or a change is going to Tinwald in October. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. When we brought the Tinwald thing in, I always remember one of my good friends, Roger Payne, nearly fell off the requisition seat when I said I wanted to bring this in for married, married members uh, with kids because. You might and I might um, uh, decide to become an MHK, but your wife and kids shouldn't have to lose your seat, lose use your house in the process. And I stand by that. I'm very, I'm always been open about supporting a redundancy package for members. I don't understand where the problem is. If they're under retirement age, they should get the redundancy package. If they're not under retirement age, then I find it. Uh, strange that they do get the the redundancy package because at the end of the day the idea was to give you a, a, a six month lead in to be able to find other into- employment and now all right it's it's like mud to a blanket most members of Timwood when it comes to actually upsetting the powerful and the strong in our society uh, but if you were if well uh, the likes of when I first decided to stand in the seventies, they told me that if you wanted to be a decent MHK, you could have no business interests. You had to have six months' pay and be able to get in a boat in a hurry. Things have improved, but we've got to defend them things. But at the end of the day, with the the the, the redundancy pay for members, I I think it's it's the right thing to do for those who um who have got family responsibilities. And, of course, the change is that instead uh, of what we had, which was half of your pay, uh, you know, the ha- half of your, your f- yeah. final basic pay uh, you, you get... Um, I thought it was only... Uh, you didn't get the you didn't get the gratuities. Yeah, it's, no, it's you the, got the basic the, pay. The basic. So you get half um, currently, uh, but two MHKs who are post-retirement age who didn't get anything have, uh, have argued that they should... Uh, and that this is discriminatory, which I suppose it is under the discrimination uh, legislation. But how can it be? If you're a pensionable age, you're pensionable age, and that's a clear cut-off. Uh, I mean, the issue was that it would make it so complicated to have brought in means testing at the time. My position was quite simple. I saw members of Timmouth being forced out of local authority housing, being forced into private ho- private sector housing, who ended up in, in 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 a financial mess, and I think that was wrong. And that's it's about making sure that we treat people right. 
you know, as I say. I mean, I'm not the greatest fan of most MHKs, but, I, you know, I do believe that this should be there, but it shouldn't be there if you're over retirement age. You should be able to get your parliamentary pension, whatever it is, and that's it. That was Peter Caron, former MHK, founder of and spokesperson for the Liberal Vannon Party. Peter continues to be forthright and outspoken and speaks with great passion. But are his views relevant in the increasingly troubled world we live? Does he have a point or is he best written off to history? Let me know what you think by contacting philgorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn Goromayo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>